0: well hey there and welcome back to the show so i have been on a journey of self-discovery for most of my life to try to understand why i am the way that i am and to learn how to heal myself and what i have learned along the way is that i am the only one who can heal me but that doesn't mean i have to do it alone i like to imagine that i'm on the middle rung of a ladder there are some people on the lower rungs that i'm helping up and that there are others on the higher rungs helping me up. People like this week's guest. Now, during this rebroadcast episode of the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast, author and neuroscience educator, Sarah Payton, and I talk about attachment, relational neuroscience, and the power we have to heal and change generational patterns. We talk about what resonance is and that each emotion has a different vibrational frequency. You know, think vibe care. We talk about how to use second-person curiosity to develop self-compassion and self-warmth within ourselves and our children. We talk about using time travel empathy and family constellations to heal and change generational patterns. We also talk about how the symptoms of ADHD and PTSD are similar and how both respond well to self-compassion and self-warmth. Now, Sarah Payton, Certified Trainer of Nonviolent Communication, Constellation Facilitator, and Neuroscience Educator, integrates brain science and the use of resonant language to heal trauma and nourish self-warmth with exquisite gentleness. She teaches and lectures internationally as and is the author of the book, Your Resonant Self, Guided Meditations and Exercises to Engage Your Brain's Capacity for Healing. Her newest books from WW Norton, the Your Resonant Self work, Workbook and Affirmations for Turbulent Times are now available for sale at your online bookseller. Now, this was an incredible conversation, and Sarah is one of those amazing humans that I'm grateful to have crossed paths with. And if you're a nervous system geek like me, or you'd like to learn a bit more about how the nervous system works, I've done a number of interviews with nervous system educator Krista Bevan. She explains the nervous system in a simplistic way that my ADHD mind can grasp. So I'm going to put links to those episodes in the show notes too. But before we begin, I wanted to tell you about a live event that I've been working on with my friend and colleague, licensed Latina therapist, Carolina Ramirez. We both understand that raising a neurodivergent child can feel challenging and sometimes even impossible. That's why we are hosting Nurtured Hearts. It's a healing circle series for moms of neurodivergent children. Consider it a safe haven of support, connection, and healing, a safe, confidential, sacred space where you feel heard, Validated and understood, a place to nourish yourself in a ceremonial way. Now, Carolina and I bring decades of training and experience to support you during this dynamic, interactive group experience we will guide you step by step through gentle movement and mind body practices big and small group activities and lots of time to self-reflect now we can't create a safe place for our children until we create a safe place for ourselves so the very first event in the series is all about creating a safe place within yourself so join us in harnessing the power of shared experience while honoring your truth and your needs with a collective of moms who really get you on saturday october 21st 10 a.m to 1 p.m in northeast raleigh north carolina we cannot wait to be your guides so go to visiondrivenmom.com forward slash healing dash circle dash series for more information and to register. Enjoy the show. And you're listening to the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast with Tracy Nolan Bierman, where we believe that you can have ADHD without ADHD having you. Each week, you'll hear firsthand relatable stories as well as invaluable tips, tools, and practices for managing overwhelm and using your beautiful, unique mind as a superpower. Motherhood with ADHD is the journey of a lifetime. Let's enjoy the ride together. Well, hey, Sarah, and welcome to the show. I am super, super excited to have you here today. I'm so happy to be here, Tracy. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Neuroscience is just... I I feel like I'm a neuroscience geek because it's just... Fascinates me. So I'm super excited about our conversation today. But before we begin, can you tell us a little bit about your journey and about how you got to be doing the work that you're doing? Now?
1: Oh, all through parenting, completely through parenting. Mm. I started out with uh with one adopted boy who came to us when he was 15 years old. So he was already came with a lot of trauma. Right. And then a uh, little guy that got born, you know, you know, I was praying for a child and we got this street kid i was like oh man i haven't been
0: specific enough <laughs> isn't that the truth right we get what we asked for i was like okay okay i'd like to have a baby that was
1: from me and my husband please a healthy one
0: <laughs> that's more specific yes i get it i get it
1: yeah. yeah so we had this wonderful boy who came to us from a really difficult life and we had this wonderful boy who came out of our bodies And um, and I came out of a childhood that was very uh, second, really intense second generation trauma, Mm. second, third generation trauma. Um, So it's a little interesting and confusing to have parents who are really traumatized and then you're but they're real sweet to you. And you grew up with all these after effects of trauma. You're going, Why the heck am I traumatized? Right. And then figuring out that it's because of, you know, the burdens that your parents carry. Mm-hmm. So um, my mom had some intense burdens from having lived through terrible domestic violence and it made her a little mentally unstable. Mm-hmm. And um, and and so I then bring that into my parenting. Right. Uh, with those foundational pieces of attachment that are so interesting, things like if your child is distressed and you look at them with surprise or you smile at them, this is a foundation of disorganized and traumatic attachment. It it mm. disrupts the bond between parent and child. And that was part of my parenting vocabulary was surprise when my child was distressed. So we've had a huge healing journey. My my older son, the one who was adopted, he cha- he really changed me. I mean, he he uh, because of him. I mean, to my eyes. But because of him, I was able to be a much better mom to my birth baby because he he was already traumatized and already grown. And he loved me and we just kind of worked stuff out you know and that got me to a point where i could be a much better mom for my little guy but still still carrying this imprint of mm-hmm. um of that foundational incomprehension right for my little for my babies and so this is something i've been working on ever since you know i i i, I keep working on learning as much as I can about neuroscience and attachment in order to to heal my own self as a mom. My my son's now 23 years old. My my birth son. We lost my adopted son to his trauma finally took him uh, and he and he died uh, of alcoholism when he was in his 30s. We weren't able to save him, but we we wanted to. But we weren't able to. And we had a really sweet time with him in his life. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's um, that's quite a um, quite a journey. And, you know, the it's interesting what you talked about. I don't know that I am just learning. Well, I mean, I've I've known that we get things from our you know generations. Right. Um, but it's only been since I've been I've been doing this work that I'm doing for about six years it's only been in the past six years that I've really realized how we do get imprinted like that. It's not our fault, right? We can start in, you know, I was a preschool teacher before I had kids. Now that didn't mean that I knew anything about having my own kids. (laughs) I could absolutely (laughs) teach other people's kids, but it was Mm -hmm. a different thing, right? So I knew a lot about, about the brain and development and all of that. But when it came to having my own children, it was it was different. And I did realize, you know, and it was and it's not that it's not that you, we have to be, have some self-awareness and you can talk all about this, but the self-awareness of what's going on before you can change anything. That's so true, it's So know? true, you
1: have to see it. And of course, we want ourselves to be better at it than we are often. And then it's hard to see there's right. so much shame we go i don't want to even look at my parenting because there's so much shame and then we can't see it to change it so there right. we are we need compassion self-compassion we need mountains of self-compassion
0: to be self-compassion. able to compassion this journey. yeah I I completely agree, and especially as, you know, we start out with this 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 new this new child or this new relationship as as in with your um with your son who came to us fifteen with yes. all of this oh, I'm going to do this I'm going to do this thing and I'm, it's going to yeah. be great and I'm going to be this kind of parent. And then reality of the reality of parenting and all the stressors and all of the other things yeah. kind of come into play, and then we we sometimes find ourselves reverting. You talked about your your healing. You've been healing two to three um, generations of trauma. I was talking to an in, um i interviewed a, an intuitive here on the show um a while back and she said do you mind if i tell you how because we were talking about generational trauma and i said yes i i'm i'm maybe not gen- i mean i who i don't know what what the trauma was but i do know that there's something i know that i'm healing generational patterns but she said, you know, do you want to know how many generations? And I said, I ah. don't know. And she said, seven. I was like, ah. oh, that feels like a heavy burden, but I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. you know? and, and that we can all do it, right? And even if we make just that little shift, mm-hmm. a little shift, we're changing the trajectory for our kids. Yes, we so are.
1: Yeah. And, and we for can do that as grandparents, too. It's right. so nice to know, you know, that, that one of the things that changes a kid's trajectory is and their attachment patterns and what they pass on to their kids is how we are as grandparents too. So I, yes. I love knowing that because there's so much sweetness in knowing in knowing that our love has an effect.
0: Yeah, and that we can continue we can t- continue to make those little changes. And our yeah. kids, no matter your your son is 23, yeah, our kids are always watching us, no matter how old. Yeah. Right? <laughs> if they continue, and their kids are going to be watching us, and so on and so on. So. Yeah. Can you first tell us about um, some of our listeners might know what not know what neuroscience is? Can you tell Ah. us about what neuroscience is to start?
1: Yeah, the world that I paddle around in and talk to people about and and and, and, and am an educator of (laughs) is uh, relational neuroscience, the science of how our brains change each other. And so um, how how are we formed by our early relationships, how are we changed by our friendships, how are we accompanied um, in in relationships in ways that decrease our stress and make it more possible for us to, to function in this world. Uh, and uh, it's surprising how much uh, I love. A friend of mine just recently said, I feel like I was hardwired for a relationship and then I was programmed for autonomy. Oh. And I said, "I th- oh, I think that's our world. Where Interesting, we, right? Uh, yeah, we come with these human bodies that need warmth and connection. And we live in a traumatized world where people don't really know how to do safe warmth and connection.
0: right? And so we
1: get We're like, oh, people are dangerous. Our bodies get stiff and we have to brace ourselves against relationship instead of being able to relax into knowing that we're welcome and having a sense of being loved, which is what everybody needs.
0: Right, right. You know, and that's interesting that you say that because I do feel like we were made to be in communion with other people. Yeah. But in our society, we are apart. And we're raising kids apart, right? We're not doing it with our, and not, you know, sometimes it's a good thing that we're not carrying through those, you know, the generational patterns, but we're not Mm -hmm. with, we're not supported. And we're not, we're not, it's very interesting. And the pandemic has often exacerbated the isolation. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. I think we'll, I think we will continue to see the effects of the pandemic and the trauma that is yeah. that has been um you know and and i think ptsd too you know the we can experience ptsd in different ways you know i mean we can we can look at somebody who who has been through something you know horrific and that's ptsd but also it you know the the past couple of years can also exactly um create ptsd and i think it's important not to compare ourselves to, oh, well, you know, I, at least I don't have it like they do, but it's still, we need to acknowledge that that, yes. that we've been affected, yeah.
1: And whenever we've been too alone, that's when the brain writes in the patterns that become PTSD, whenever we're not really emotionally accompanied in mm. difficult experience. So if we're in the pandemic and it sucks, but there's somebody who's like a good friend or a partner or a sibling or a parent, who is like, I get it. This really does suck. And they're kind of like shoulder to shoulder with us. We're not going to have PTSD. Mm, And if we're in a fabulously privileged, you know, wealthy place where we don't have to worry about the money, but we're so isolated and alone and there's nobody with us and nobody understands what's happening, actually, we'll get PTSD. It's 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 not about what happens. Right.
0: It's about how alone we are. Yeah, I love that you make that that distinction too. And there we go again, right? It's all about relationships.
1: Yeah,
0: it's all about. I mean that that's that's why, that's that's what we're here to do is be in relationship with others. That's that's what I believe anyway. So, um, so tell us a little bit about the work that you do and about um, about. So I was um, I was on your website and I was I was watching a video about resonance. Mm-hmm. And can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I really love the way that you explain it and it makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, what happens
1: with human bodies? Human bodies are a lot like musical instruments. Mm. And we know that what the, the language that gets played on musical instruments is music. Right. And the language that gets played on human bodies is emotions. And just like a cello will resonate with the music that's being played on a cello that's close by our human bodies resonate with the emotion that's being played on the on the bodies that are close to us. So, so we are naturally resonating beings with one another we naturally catch and understand each other's emotions now. When we're little we can live in an environment where it's sort of overwhelming and a little traumatizing and maybe kind of scary to resonate with everybody's emotions and mm-hmm. nobody ever gets any kind of support so everything just stays in the air we'll actually kind of learn to turn off our ability to read our own resonating body mm-hmm. and um and that then makes us more vulnerable to stress and more vulnerable to PTSD and more vulnerable to dissociation the part of the body that we turn off the part of the brain that we turn off in this situation is called the insula so it's and it's it's sort of an intermediary space in the brain between body sensations and emotions and thoughts okay so then so then you're you've got a partner who's got their insula turned off and you're like you're sad, aren't you? And they're like, no, no, I'm not sad. And you're like, I can tell you're sad. And they're like, no, I'm not sad. Mm. And they're not lying. They're telling the truth that, they, that as far as they know, they're not sad. It's because they have their insula turned off and they don't know what their body's doing.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's fascinating. And I have not heard of the insula before. Yeah, the insula is okay. very cool. Yeah.
1: And one of the things that creates secure attachment is a child's ability to say what they're feeling, mm. to name their feelings, and to be able to talk about feelings. That's one of the signs of secure attachment. And so we need our insulas because right. we need to be able to tell what our body is doing to be able to talk about it. And then right. we have secure attachment.
0: <laughs> right, right. Okay, that's that's beautiful. Um. So, and on the video that I watched, you talked about, this um about talking to yourself in the um in the second person mm-hmm. right can you tell yeah. us a little bit about that because i um i talk to myself all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm always asking myself and we you know and and the um uh the uh um just checking in and trying yeah. to kind of remove myself you know the observer self, trying to mm-hmm. root remove remove the, my, myself from myself, I guess my physical self yes, yes. in order to be self-aware until in order to ask myself questions about what's oh, going on. But I love the way that you, um, that you explain it. And I, I, i haven't tried it yet but i'm going to can you tell us a little <laughs> bit about that yes well there's research that shows that uh talking to
1: ourselves is very helpful for this very thing of knowing how we feel mm-hmm. and having our insula turned on and and being securely attached mm-hmm. um and uh, and one of the best ways to do it the research shows is to use our own name mm-hmm. when we're right. talking to ourselves and then, of course, to be resonant, you know, instead of talking to ourselves and saying, Sarah, you're an idiot, which right. is not a resonant, you know, self-compassionate way to talk, but does slip through even my brain. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a, a, a gentleness that we can bring and a warm curiosity mm-hmm. and, and a not knowing, like even for ourselves, a not knowing that makes there be room for the emergence of complex experience. So if we say, Sarah, I know you're angry. That's a ends with a question. I mean that ends with a period and boom. Mm, Okay. Where do we go? We're like, okay, I know I'm angry. Right. But what if we say, Sarah, are you angry? Mm. Are you so angry? Does it make the steam come off the top of your head? Right. And and then we can say, well, I might be a little angry, but actually, you know, I think I'm more sad. Mm. There's room for that emergence of complex layered experience when we begin to have the warm curiosity and the questions for ourselves.
0: I really love that, Sarah. And I do and I, I I love that too. And I we can use that with our children too, right? I we we oh, we, yeah. we have a tendency to, oh, you're sad you you look sad or you look yeah. angry. And in yeah. and, and like you said, we're making it a period and not a question. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I have okay. um yeah, okay. I guess I'm well, but am I? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um I have um I have uh, a 13 and a 14 year old and um who are learning learning how to um how to kind of name their emotions you know and 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 um but need the questions and not the oh you look sad you must be sad you must be angry i can imagine that you're angry just that subtle difference i think can allow them to open up and allow ourselves to open up too. What am I feeling? Yeah. yeah exactly. Am I feeling? Is that really what I'm feeling? Mm-hmm. I actually have, I'm, I'm looking over at it right now, but I have this um, this book called The Dictionary of Emotions mm-hmm. that I like to play with with my clients, like just kind of, um, you know, it's it's really just a dictionary. It, te- it gives you the meanings of, um, of emotions and just kind of playing with them to see how they feel, you know, how they feel in your body. You're talking about resonance. I talk about expansion and contraction, right? How, how does this, how does this emotion feel? How does this thought feel? Do you feel closed in tight um, or do you feel expansive? Like, you know, like you're floating and, and, um, but it's, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting, um, uh, experiment in, in emotions. Oh, well maybe that that's not what I'm really feeling. If that's what that means, maybe that's not it. Maybe it's something else maybe there is a more of an underlying sadness you know yeah I love that that's beautiful beautiful and so you talk about um you talk about the warmth Mm
1: -hmm. and that the
0: warmth is um is the resonance the the warmth is what resonates I can't remember exactly how you said it this self-warm that
1: that, um that the more we have warmth for ourselves in any emotion that we have the more relaxed our body is mm. with that emotion. So if if we're angry and we're like, of course, you're angry. You know, if we say that to ourselves, if we go, Sarah, are you angry? And, and Sarah says, yeah, I'm angry. Right. And we say, oh, of course, you're angry. <laughs> it's just this sort of a, a warm acceptance of what is mm. that changes everything. That right. makes it uh, makes the body relax and go, oh, I make sense. I'm having an emotional experience that makes sense I belong to the group of humans I'm not a I'm not an Mm. outcast I I belong here I have emotions that make sense
0: I love that too that you you talk about that that I make sense Uh oh I make sense oh I belong that um you know we we were. Not always, but some of us were, um, were raised to believe that, you know, that anger, we're not supposed to experience anger. So there must be something or we're not supposed to express any kind of emotion whatsoever. Right. And then that, that's confusing. And that's not, confusing. that's not that's uh, not that's not the warmth that you're talking about. The no. the oh, it's OK. There's nothing wrong with you. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, our
1: parents, when they raise us that way, usually it's because they didn't get any support to have emotions themselves. And right. so then they're they don't know what to do with it. They just shut down and we go, "Uh oh, that was too much. And we kind of mm-hmm. learn that we we by, four, by the age of four months, this is the beautiful research of Beatrice Beebe. She discovered that by the age of four months, little children start to only express in their facial expressions the uh the emotions that their parents that their mothers can easily reflect right I mean we're already doing it pre-verbally we're figuring out that our anger is too much or our sadness is too much or that our joy makes our parent turn away Mm -hmm. and we need to we need to turn the volume down turn the volume down in order to match them so that we get to belong to our
0: parents matching oh that's really that is brilliant and I also, as we're talking about this, I want everyone to, you know, you may be seeing, um, oh, I've done this or, oh, I've, and and to have self-compassion and warmth for yourself, no matter where you are on your parenting journey, that there's always, we can always pivot, right? We can always do it differently. And I think that that is one of the um, beating ourselves up for mistakes that we've made and you know and and a lot of it is that we just didn't know yeah not only did we not know we we didn't have the neurons to do it differently
1: we're doing the best we could with the with the neurons that we that we got coming out of childhood right and um one of the things i love you know that gives me uh gives it gives them the older moms in my world that work with me hope is to imagine just take a moment to imagine your own mother, completely supported and loved by Mm. somebody who's not you.
0: Right, right.
1: (laughs) And just imagine every every single need being met, every emotion that she has being met with warm curiosity. And it's not you. You don't do it. You don't have to do it. Somebody else is doing it. You get to just watch your mom Mm. being fully supported. Um, and everybody's body relaxes, you know. And this is why it's so nice for us to think of this: is because if we're doing this work, we're getting held in that way, and right. then it's our, our children get to be free to have their own life
0: instead of worrying about our emotions. Right, right. That's beautiful. You know what? And I, um, so I, um, I'm, I, I've ADHD. I've had, I've, I've done for about twenty years, at least. Um, and um, I completely forgot what I was going to say <laughs> something and, along and those lines. Not only does ADHD do that, but COVID isolation does that for us. Yeah. Yes, it does. And, you know, we, we, we. Okay. So I think I remembered what I, so I, but, this is just part of my makeup but I am an, an empath, right? So mm. I feel I feel others and I know that I felt my parents when yeah. I was I mean and you were talking about 4 months yeah that 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 I mean that's that's early, isn't it? We yes. we, we kind yeah, of tend to think of We're not even talking yet, right? We're not even talking yeah. yet and but yeah. what's going on in the brain is amazing, the yes. growth that's going on.
1: Yeah, but, and we're we we are we we are a, a dyad i mean we're yeah. we're not just one being when we're a baby right we're a joint being
0: i love that yeah. yeah. So the the uh, what you just said about um about then when you can when you can visualize imagine your mom being held and loved with with warm compassion, and then we can do that for ourselves, and then our kids can not have to worry about us the way that we may have worried about our parents. Yeah. Yeah. And when we say we get to do it for ourselves, we do learn to do it for ourselves,
1: but we also learn to find other people who are warm with us, mm, so that our right. kids get to see us. Also, it's harder in the pandemic, but yeah. then our kids get to see us in warm relationships too.
0: Right, nice right. for them. Yeah. Exactly. And you know, we talked about this a little bit before we um, before we uh, uh, started the interview, but I am learning more and more about um, about PTSD because I have both. I had the PTSD when I was a child, and I also have ADHD, and I'm yeah. learning that those two have very similar symptoms
1: they do they do this this there's a total um need to be able to track what's happening that prevents focus on Mm. you know I mean the only often with ADHD the way people are able to focus is to get into a state of hyper focus right where they're lost to the outer world that's the only way they can get that singularity of focus because either the trauma or the adhd has created a, an attention that's trying to take care of us it's right. a hyper that's trying to take care of us our brain's not being bad yeah it's not doing something wrong it's trying the best it can to right. figure out how to how to take care of us and part of the healing that comes with with resonance is an enormous compassion mm. for our brain just as it is so right. that it it gets to it gets to do what it does but it gets to do what it doesn't be loved which right. is very different from doing what it does and being told it's wrong
0: right 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 yeah, yeah that's beautiful and that it it's very interesting are you familiar with that uh, with uh, gabor Mate? I love Gabor Mate. Oh, he's just—he has opened my eyes to so many things. And again, you know, uh, uh, so many things. Gabor, Gabor Mate is—he's um, a psychologist. or so, I think he's a psychologist who um, who has ADHD, and he's done extensive research into yeah. and and putting those things together. The trauma, and, yeah. and and again, we're talking about trauma. It doesn't mean that you've been beaten as a child. Um, but the trauma that the mother experiences in those first, in the very beginning, you were talking about the first four months, Yeah. you know, I can, um, when I look back, when my, um, when my daughter was born, my son was, I had some PTSD. Well, I had some PTSD, I had lots of stuff that I brought in from my childhood, but then right. I had PTSD of my son's birth, my Ooh. firstborn's birth.
1: Yeah.
0: And, um. And I can see where I was doing as much of that—that that, you know—that warmth with her. Um, but I also I had some PTSD going on, you yeah. know, and, and that resonance. I know that you know. I, I I almost Sarah. I I do believe that even in utero, that our babies are getting, you know, they're they're getting from us.
1: They are. It's true. Yeah. Yes. Yes in the third trimester they're more protected from our amygdala response mm, but I think, okay. I think in the second trimester there's like this direct line between oh. our amygdala and our baby's amygdala the placenta isn't in place to do the to modulate the impact of the parent's stress in the second trimester yet. right
0: right yeah, yeah that's it's fascinating to me it's really and beautiful and knowing that The more I learn about the brain, and um, that we can change it, right? We can create different patterns, different neurological patterns is possible. If you speak in a little bit into that, into the, you know, because this is what you do, right? You you work mainly with people with PTSD. Is that right? Uh, Yeah, a
1: lot of work because the work is so crafted specifically to mitigate the effects of trauma. Right. So, folks. So, folks bring trauma yeah. uh, to this work, uh, but people also bring ADHD and um, and just uh, just like a deep interest in neuroscience. All kinds so of funny. minds. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but one of the things that happens for people is that as we uh, is that as we begin to learn about the brain, we start to discover that the amygdala, the brain's emotional center, has no sense of time. Oh okay. which which is why we have such intense PTSD flashbacks mm. intrusive memory flashbacks right is because the amygdala doesn't know like mm. it doesn't know that we're 42 instead of 32 it doesn't right. know that we're 59 instead of 3 years old it has no idea right. it's just like danger danger will robinson you know right the- right <laughs> and but what's so cool about that is not it's not cool that it gives us intrusive memories right but what is cool about that is that it means that the amygdala is forever available mm. for time travel
0: Ooh. yes love it oh I love the way you said yes. that forever available to, to for time travel that's awesome yeah yeah and so if we just step into the memory
1: with our present day warmth and uh, understanding and resonance and we step into the memory that we have that's an intrusive memory we're three years old we remember the shame our face is flushed we can feel it in our bodies we step into that memory and we go oh honey in this moment are you so alone oh yeah right Yeah. yeah and we bring that warm questioning that way of talking that doesn't close off the answers and the little self goes yeah where the heck have you been you know mm. it's been 54 years right <laughs> right right you go oh, are you a little angry to you know to have been trying to deal with this memory for 54 years and the little self is like yes but it's really scary you know I mean they go yeah. right into whatever the next thing is that we need to acknowledge right now so we get to acknowledge fear we get to acknowledge rage we get to acknowledge love we get to acknowledge disgust we get to acknowledge joy we get to acknowledge uh, the immense protective tenderness that children have for the people
0: around them how much Mm -hmm. they want
1: everybody to be okay
0: right right Mm. i i love that i love the way that you that you put that and that we can and it doesn't like we don't have to i think a lot of times we think oh like I don't want to go back there. I do not want to go back there in my mind. But what if we went into it with going back to that little person and holding them?
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. that's really beautiful.
1: And we also get to say to those past selves, "Hey, uh, you know what? You lived through this. Mm-hmm. We don't have to. We don't have to stay in the memory. You get to come home with me. You don't have oh, to stay." in Oh,
0: beautiful. Memory. Yeah. Right. And that's something you might have to do many, many times, <laughs> going back and, and saying, yeah. hey, it's okay. It's yeah, okay. Usually, Here we are. Usually
1: you have to go back just once for one memory. Mm. Not always. Sometimes you can do a lot of work with one memory. But a lot of times if it's a real clear memory, you just have to actually even go once and bring mm. the self back. And then the amygdala is like, oh, I've been accompanied right Uh, now i can make a new sense out of life out of the world right and then there's another memory that comes up because we are infinite there are 86 billion neurons in these brains and they do a lot of things and they need a lot of tending
0: right they do (laughs) they do indeed they're very complex they're really (laughs) incredible our brains are incredible i mean um and that and and that they are our brains right and they're not even all of us they are Mm -hmm. part They're a beautiful part of us that we can use, right, that we can when they're not wrought with um, with coldness and um, and uh, PTSD and trauma and, you know, we can relieve them and then we can use them for, you know, beautiful things like the work that you're doing or the beautiful instrument that you have behind you, the cello, the cello. I love that. You're talking. So you're a musician and you talk about the resonance. That's beautiful. Now, Sarah, can you tell tell us a little bit about constellations? familiar with family constellations but yeah. i think it's fascinating it's something that i would love to um that i would love to do to do some healing Can you tell us a little bit about about constellations
1: sure um and before i talk, go to the constellations i'll just mention that um that the, all of the books uh, the the resident your resonant self and the your resonant self workbook and now affirmations for turbulent times all of these books are ways to begin to have accompaniment and resonance from somewhere safe that's oh beautiful that, without it having to be a person that's scary we can right. turn to books for a starting point before we I, start love I love that i love that yes
0: we'll we'll talk more about that i will definitely yeah. put in links to sarah's books but her work is beautiful oh thank you <laughs> you're welcome so
1: constellations are almost a magical way to heal Mm -hmm. with constellations you're either working with a group of people or with a group of objects and and you assign to the people different roles from a question that you have so let's say somebody says i'm depressed i don't understand why i'm depressed i'd like to shift it and so the, that person sits down with the Constellation facilitator. And let's say we have a group of people that are working together, and it could be a group of people online mm-hmm. during the pandemic. We've done all kinds of things online and the person would say, uh, um, the, the facilitator might ask the person, well, who else in your family was depressed? Mm. And the person might say, well, my father was depressed and his father was depressed. And so you would have him, the person choose different people from the circle to be the father and the grandfather and to be the client. So the client gets to look at their life from the outside Mm. without having to be their own self. They get to see the patterns. They go, oh my goodness, look at that impact of transgenerational trauma on me. Right. And we go, okay, well, was your grandfather in military service? Yes, my grandfather came back from World War One with PTSD. Was your father in military service? Yes, my father came back from World War II with PTSD. Mm. So we have this, this impact of multi-generational PTSD that turns into a depression in the child. Right, And then the child gets to see that. And oftentimes there's a sense of... Uh, almost agency, like that we want to carry our parents' pain so that they won't have to carry it alone. We long to accompany our parents. So there's processes to release that, to give that back, to say, I am little. I am the little one, and you are the big one. And I've been trying to take care of you, and I don't have to do that anymore. I can bow to your fate. I leave your fate in your hands. And just this kind of work of being in and seeing and experiencing and releasing can be enormously supportive for bodies because we don't think of ourselves transgenerationally we often just think of ourselves i'm my autonomous self trying to deal with my life my depression has nothing to do with my family right and then we start to look at we go oh i am part of a larger network yeah my life is not just my
0: own right right yeah, I love that. i, I um, I've been familiar with constellations, and I, like I told you earlier, I've been trying to find somebody in the area. and then i i i uh, I saw that you are doing it online. So yes. definitely, listeners, you know, um this is a really healing um experience. And you know it's it's all a little we had to have to have a little bit of courage to go and do this work, but it's so worth it. and You know, I, I I know for myself, I had been doing, I'd been in therapy for 20 years before I had my kids and I had been, I I actually this year I've been doing, I've been on the mat for 30 years. I've been doing yoga for 30 years. So I've been (sighs) deeply immersed in all of this work, but it wasn't until I had my own kids where I was like, Mm -hmm. this has to change. Right. I haven't done the deepest work. Yeah, I've been doing the work air quotes but not really doing the work. Yeah. So, um, and not that it has to be hard, you know, like Sarah no. said, maybe it's just one time and then you go yeah. in and you, you know, you, you do that, the, the inner child work that you were talking about and what if that's it? What if it was that simple?
1: And there's so much <laughs> reward for being kind to ourselves. It improves our immune systems and it uh, m- makes us uh, more thoughtful and
0: more creative and more cognitively snappy. Yeah, that cognitively really, really <laughs> snappy I love that well isn't that true because we're not holding on to all of the yeah. the the resentment or the fear or the PTSD yeah, we're, we're not free. having to manage the intrusive memory so much right yeah. right right yeah. and our kids you know they're watching us always yeah. with their yeah. little eyes ears and hearts they're always watching us so when they see us doing the doing this work and being kind and being warm with ourselves and and attracting warmth into our lives then they're going to know how to do it for themselves too yeah yeah well sarah i have loved this conversation it Mm -hmm. has uh, there's so many gold nuggets in what you've shared today and i was wondering if you could tell us about a time in motherhood when you either achieved something or overcame something that initially just felt impossible Yes, it was
1: through the, my study of nonviolent communication. I, I read this book by a, a woman who has since passed on, but wrote a beautiful book, um, in Balkashtan, She wrote a book about parenting with nonviolence. And, mm. and one of the things that she talked about was how her little son banged was banging the floor and her parents were sleeping beneath. And she said, would you stop, please, because I'm worried about them sleeping. And he said, okay. And she said, that's interesting that you stopped. Why did you stop? And he said, I don't care if they get woken up, but you wanted me to stop. And I cared about what it was like for you. Oh, <laughs> and was, wow. And I was like, that's so amazing. That will never happen in my life. And then there was this day. It was a funny day. It was like five or seven years into studying nonviolent communication. And I said to my oldest son, who was watching basketball, <laughs> I said, could you take some food to the little kids because they're, they're going to be starving? They're not going to make it to dinner. He said, I don't want to, but I'm willing. Oh, okay.
0: I don't want to, but you know, I, I guess I do hear that from my son. I don't want to, but I'll do it for you. That, yeah, that's a sign. It's a sign, wow. a beautiful relationship. Yeah, okay. I love yeah. that. I love that. And then
1: my next, my little one came upstairs, and I said, "Would you, would you be willing to turn off the turtle light as we go to bed?" And he said, "I don't want to, but I'm willing." I don't <laughs> I want to,
0: but I'm willing. I, was I both love the that same day, and I was like, "Oh wow, I've turned a corner." Yeah, isn't that that? That's just isn't that the the validation that. Dang, I'm doing something right! <laughs> yes. <laughs> Woohoo! Yes, yes, and <laughs> twice in a day, Sarah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's beautiful, mm. Sarah. If there's one thing that we could that you could share with our listeners today, one thing that they could do today that mm. that that would support them in all of the work that we've been talking about.
1: Yeah, just imagine turning towards themselves and saying, just and randomly, they could say. Hey, Sarah, are you angry? Hey, Sarah, are you
0: sad? You know, just like open the dialogue about emotions, the curiosity, right? Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Um, so tell us about how our listeners can find you. I know so you've got several books, you do all kinds of you're, you're speaking and you're doing um, you're doing courses and all kinds of things. Can you tell us and tell us what like what you are <laughs> super passionate about right this minute? I'm super passionate about
1: our upcoming Resonance Summit which is a free uh, experience, four day experience of uh, speakers and teachers and being online on the Zoom links and experiencing resonance and feeling bodies change. It's a free by donation four day event that uh, Daniel C- is going to be speaking at among others oh awesome yeah, okay yeah so uh, so you'll find that at the website sarahpaton.com okay and uh, and that is my that's most exciting and there's many other classes and possibilities and then there are the books are really wonderful to explore and there are free guided meditations on the website on your love self.com
0: Okay, fantastic. Sarah, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your brilliance. And you definitely want to go and check out Sarah's site, check out her work, say hello, um, whatever. And um, yeah, any parting words, Sarah? Oh, just thank you, Tracy. Thanks thanks for your work in the world, bringing compassion to parents. Uh, Thank you. Thank you, too. All -hmm. right. Goodbye for now. Thank you for listening to the Vision Driven Mom with ADHD podcast. Now, one thing I know for sure is that managing ADHD is not a one stop shop. There are so many tips, tools, practices, treatment options, and lifestyle accommodations to consider. It's easy to feel overwhelmed and wonder where in the world to start. If you're nodding your head yes, then you'll want to check out the free ADHD Supports Guide. It's a super simple step-by-step guide that keeps your ADHD brain engaged because it's interesting, it's important, and sometimes even a little exciting. I invite you to consider yourself a detective as you discover the ideal combination of supports to help you remain calm, be more consistent, stay focused on what's important, Shift out of overwhelm and other big emotions more quickly, make decisions more easily, and develop more confidence, all while becoming more of the person you know yourself to be. Download the guide at visiondrivenmom.com forward slash ADHD supports, or find the link in the show notes. I truly believe that you can have ADHD without ADHD having you. Goodbye for now.